0: Connor, how many schools do you think have won a men's Division One basketball championship and have a Heisman winner?
1: Well, Randall L should have won the Heisman. Okay. So, okay. all right, if you want to, <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll, I'll help you out. Indiana is not one of these schools. <laughs> what? I know. No I... The answer I'm is gonna ten. Say the answer t- is ten. Oh, that's 10. more
1: than I thought. I was going to say yeah. like six.
0: So, so some of this is like Oklahoma State won some basketball titles like in the '40s. Stanford won a basketball title back right. then. Syracuse has a Heisman winner from yesteryear. Uh but Louisville is on this list, and Louisville is on this list as one of the one of the like Baylor, Florida, Louisville. I I think you could probably say like Michigan. These are the schools that like kind of recently have Mm -hmm. done this Um, and we talked to Louisville fans today on this episode and I forgot but they helpfully reminded me that they're not very happy with Indiana right now
1: oh because we decided to get ourselves out of that three game series with them where that made no sense for us to ever be in it because we should get three automatic W's in the (laughs) non-con (laughs) <laughs> or are they they not very happy that uh they almost lost to us? Because I also would not be happy with Indiana if I almost lost to Indiana on in football. The, f-
0: the focus was mainly on uh s- sneaking out of the football series. Yeah.
1: Smartest one of the smarter things we've done in a while, yes.
0: So you're in favor of Indiana just bailing on Louisville.
1: Ryan, every year it is the race to six, and it is a <laughs> nine game conference schedule. <laughs> in the Big 10 that is only getting harder even though the divisions are breaking down. So of course I I would like to get out of that. They also it's it there's there's also a basketball don't didn't know if you know that they care a lot about that um to which I do as well. And so there, yeah, there's there's a sneaky a little, little rivalry there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I you know, Louisville's interesting because they have all these little little too large blood feuds. But almost none of them are in their conference. Some of that's just because they've like floated all over conferences for a while now. But I I like that in a world of shifting realignment and where you're sort of like, I don't know about this game or that game. Louisville is well positioned to just hate you no matter where you live.
1: That's true. They've got Cincinnati. They've got Indiana. I've heard they don't like Kentucky. Correct. Yeah. And they're all di- all different conferences. It doesn't matter. Ohio River or Auburn will come after you, no matter <laughs> where you live.
0: Um. So, with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about what what Louisville has on offer at homefieldapparel.com. dot com. Yes. Is, is there any favorite that you'd like to point out from from the collection?
1: Well, you know, funny enough, we are recording this. Uh, it's crazy. This isn't a live medium. Well, we're recording this two days before Louisville is actually part of our Game of the Week program. So, mm-hmm. we're debuting three new Louisville items, a football uh, a football hoodie that includes a bird with teeth, of course, wearing sure. a helmet. Sure. But the helmet, it's incepting the bird with teeth because the bird with teeth is also on the helmet that the bird with teeth is wearing. <laughs> So that's a good one. There's also a, this is a favorite of mine. Um, The bird with teeth stiff arming. Again, the bird has teeth Mm -hmm. uh, stiff arming between some cacti in the Mm -hmm. desert uh, Mm -hmm. commemorating uh, their win in Glendale in 1991 on January 1st. That's actually a really nice shirt. Uh, You will have seen it by the time this episode is dropped, but the general public has not seen it now. So, yeah, it, some good uh, sp- Louisville football in particular uh, designs because I know right now they really don't want to talk about men's basketball. But football, you know, you got Braum back. You finally got your boy. Um, They're very excited about that. They, they should be. It's great. It it helps me out in her, in my interconference conference life. I saw Jeff Brom a lot um, taking the zany and fun seven and five Boilermakers to some bowl every year. Um so I'm glad he's out of the conference so they can be the zany and fun four and eight Boilermakers now. <laughs> but the, yeah.
0: the, th- the thing about the bird is the teeth don't – the teeth I'm weirdly okay with, it's – y'all have several designs where the bird is wearing human clothes.
1: Yeah, including and, this football one.
0: Yeah. And like for whatever reason, the bird – the bird in the sweater is the one that really creeps me out the most. Because I'm like, why would the bird need – is the bird cold?
1: He goes Winnie the Pooh mode when yeah. he's wearing the sweater. Yeah. I do like the helmet, too. Because some of them, these stiff-arming, no helmet. We're talking early 20th century sure, football. Sure, sure. Not even a leather helmet. But yeah, now right, he's – Right. He's put – he's – he, he's learned a bit now and he, he's going for player safety rules. Actually, it's ruining the game and ruining the Louisville Cardinal.
0: <laughs> well, um, Connor, uh, I'm very excited for our audience to get to listen to this episode. We have three very excited, uh, very, very intelligent, very thoughtful guests. Naturally. I asked them all about Papa John because that's the kind of person I am.
1: All state um, grad Papa John.
0: He's a complicated. We could do a whole separate series on the mysteries of Papa John Schnatter, and maybe we will. But it's not going to be today.
1: No, you could have asked them a thought. I'm sure you did. It's again. I called them Ohio River Auburn earlier. For those of you who don't live in this part of the country, there is an unbelievable amount of stuff that goes on at uh, the University of Louisville. It is never boring.
0: No, it's it's reached the point where the football team is like the chiller side of the program. Mm
1: -hmm. And yes,
0: and it's not a chill place. So
1: no, never for one second. Uh,
0: but we're going to hear more from our three guests right now.
2: My name is Mark Ennis. I, I didn't grow up in Louisville, but I've lived there since, uh, Oh two. In fact, I think today is the 21 year anniversary because it was, I moved there the day they beat Florida state, like in the pouring rain. I was, I was moving my crap into an apartment while they were doing that. So uh, I, I will never forget that. Uh, and over time, I, I kind of tweeted my way into part-time radio gigs and ultimately turned that into a full-time gig on 93.9 uh, The Ville in Louisville. And we're the now the official partners with them. And I'm on the post-game broadcast and everything. It's It's been a pretty wild ride uh, that I cannot possibly recommend to anyone else even try. <laughs> but it has worked for me.
3: My name's Haley O'Shaughnessy. Uh, I'm... Louisville fan because my mom and dad went to Louisville. My mom played keeper um, for the soccer team and uh, holds records like unofficial records Mm -hmm. because she says they were lost during like one of the years there. But yeah, it's always been Louisville for me. I remember in High school, there was like an opportunity to go to i u and I had this great scholarship and i it I should have went, but I was like, ah, I just gotta go where I can watch the games, so yeah, it's been it's a life for a situation um and I'd like to plug my tomato garden, which is thriving uh maybe next year we'll go commercial, I don't know. But yeah, at the end, I'll show you. Like I've, we just picked some, and they're nice. incredible and so delicious.
4: I'm Keith Wynn. Uh, I'm the deputy editor of uh, CardChronicle.com. Um, you know, been a Louisville fan for most of my life at this point. Uh, been you know lucky enough to be you know involved with some things with the team, but mostly covering from Card Chronicle as a blogger.
0: What is the most grating way in which people mispronounce the name? I'm going to try here. I, I could say Louisville.
2: That's How, perfect.
0: Okay. What is that's spectacular. What, what is the worst way people say this?
2: I think if they put like a heavy emphasis on trying to make it like super French, like Louis, like, you know, like that. <laughs> sure. Is really bad. Because I, I think you, like if you nail it with Vol, like Louisville and you sort of just slop it all together. Yep. It's more than one syllable, but not really. Right. Uh, it, that's the best way to say it. But when you people who are like Louis like the real heavy E part is it's, it just, it hits you. It's like a punch okay. in the face after okay. a while. That's so That's... don't do that. Do that. You're going to get bugged.
3: Jesus. I almost don't even want to do this anymore. Like I, I wish we could <laughs> all sit down as a city and be like, can we just stop talking about it? Because now it's almost a bit that other people get to do that. We're yep. so excited when, uh, people say it, how, you know, people from the city pronounce it. Um, It would have to be like Louisville, you know, Mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. doesn't even sound like the same thing. Um, Yeah, the most direct, like you didn't try. But then again, is it that insulting if you're not from the city? Because that is literally the way you'd phonetically pronounce it.
4: It's funny because I, you know, me and my brother had this conversation. We were were at a wedding last week and I say Louisville Mm -hmm. and people here hate that. So I think I see it the most grating way because it's, it's supposed to be Louisville. And I'm like, yeah. uh, it's, it's named after like Louis, you know, French and all that stuff. We do the Florida Lee. And, you know, I'm not, I'm originally from Chicago mm-hmm. and I grew up saying Louisville, but people hate it. So I am actually, <laughs> the I'm the problem. So, you know, i but Louisville, But it hasn't Louisville.
0: held you back though. So you're nah, doing fine.
4: No, nah, I do it all the time. I think okay. I do it purposely to piss people off at this point.
0: Okay. For years one of the most recognizable faces associated with Louisville athletics, such that he is part of, I would argue, the most viral photo.
3: I know where you're going with this. It's Papa John.
0: It's Papa John. I know so, it.
3: So, <laughs> like,
0: can you explain why Papa John had this major role and place of influence at this university?
3: You know... No, I don't I don't know the business side of it. I don't know any of that. But he was just I think it's a it's a situation like Louisville's small enough that if you have money and you have like a if you're invested in the city or the school or anything, then you can sponsor like we could be sponsored by anyone, you know, yeah. if you if they just wanted to. Um, but yeah, he really also, I think, loved being. The King. like he loved having a kingdom, you know, and that's what he thought of, of Papa John as the stadium that's no longer. It's called like something else now. I remember I think it was my sophomore year, maybe it was my junior year. he <laughs> he went on the field before the game started in like a corvette, something, some kind of car like that, and did donuts. <laughs> Um, before the game started, like on the field, it was so, it was crazy. He just likes doing that. although donuts are kind of like an homage to Louisville because, um, like before the derby, there's a classic Louisville thing where they'll, like just people in Louisville will shut down the highways and interstates and will like block them and just do donuts. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's a <laughs> big sh- honestly big street racing culture. Yeah. But I just think because all of the cars seem to be like work that they've done themselves, it's maybe not as recognized. <laughs> so,
0: how did people feel when Papa John was the king
3: of his own little fiefdom here? I mean, I think it was always a bit. Yeah. Like we've always had these uh this like inside joke relationship with him because he's ridiculous, and also it's just he's like it's it was always an open secret that he drank all the time, mm-hmm. like I mean the picture you're talking about you, it's obvious um yeah, he would just always like hang around and be drunk, so it's kind of just a joke, oh, there's Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> But he but he had the resources that it
0: was just sort of like, well, that's just the cost of doing business with this particular pizza king.
3: Yeah, I mean, and we all suffered because when I went to school there, you know how schools will give you, you know, like something we called it cardinal cash. And, yes. Or, you know, sure. whatever.
0: You're like dining, dining dollars. Whatever Stipend. Yeah. yes. Yeah.
3: And ours was like you had maybe one fast food thing other than Papa John's, but Papa John's you specifically had an allotted amount. Like I never, I haven't eaten Papa John's in like probably 12 years. No, that's not true. I'm not that old. When did I go to school? (laughs) I haven't eaten eaten it since junior year of college. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, uh, we all kind of were subject to his whims.
2: Well, so he's from here Mm -hmm. and, and sort of launched his, uh, culinary empire here. And their corporate headquarters until his whole falling out was here, and you know Louisville doesn't have pro sports. They do now, you know, with a, a USL team and that sort of thing. But they don't know NFL, no NBA. You know what I mean? And Tom Jurich, the previous athletic director, was very, very, very good at getting all of those people to give lots and lots and lots of money to Louisville. And John Schneider was happy to put his name on a lot of things. Yeah, and, and including he, the stadium. And not only was that stadium deal like in perpetuity, it was for him. It wasn't with the Papa John's corporation. Like that's how it just, it, and oddly enough, that's, he ended up being the guy that led the charge to get rid of Tom church down the road. So they had a massive falling out, have no idea why, uh, but he ended up being the one to sort of uh, stabbed him in the back at the end. But he's, he's
0: now like, he's not showing up to football games, basketball oh, no, games. No. Like he's moved on.
2: You know, it's weird though uh, I don't know how they worked out like this settlement or whatever it was when they got when they took his name off the stadium and paid him back for part of what he had what he was owed but he still has at the tail end of the press box side of the stadium a giant like opulent looking queen's booth <laughs> it's a suite you know and it has like yeah. heavy dark wood and gold sure. doors sure. It's, and it's still there and just no one goes in it he didn't <laughs> lose it so they took his name off the stadium and everything but that's his like as far as I know, like in perpetuity, like it's a wild. little
0: abandoned museum to Papa John's opulence. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like a shrine. Like, we just no, like, you know, you lose a child. Like no one goes in that room anymore. Like they just left it like it was when mm-hmm. they took his name off the stadium <laughs> forever.
4: Little backstory. William. I, I became a little fan partially because my mom worked for the program. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not originally from here. Tom George came in and actually I played football with his sons and that's kind of how my mom met Tom George. He offered a job, so on and so forth. So I've got a, handful of decent backstories about John Schneider <laughs> I I don't think anyone knows it just happened, man. Like all of a sudden it went from Louisville's this program to struggling to be relevant. You know, you know, years ago it's like they might just disband the entire football program. And all of a sudden they got this really nice new cool stadium. And this dude with this awful leather jacket and just awful social like skills <laughs> is now at the center. And I think it just comes down to the simple fact that He had the ability to bring the money, and anytime you have the money, people just kind of deal with your your odd, eccentric aspects, and he is a weird dude, man. There's no other way of putting it. (laughs) Everything you see, and you're like, man, this guy has to be really weird in person. He is worse than that. (laughs) So, so, you know, you have people like Boosters, you have people in the program that you just had to deal with them, man, and the stories you hear about, yeah, no, he's just as weird as you would imagine he'd be. And then you, you hear like, and it's like, no, that is not, that's not normal. That's, that's something you see, but he just, he had the ability to to, to write the checks and, you know, got the name on the stadium uh, provided, you know, some, some aspects for boosters, private planes, all those things that you need. And we know college football, if you have money, uh, you just get to, people just get to deal with all the things that you bring to the table with it, man. And it's, yeah, he's an oddball guy, man.
0: Do you have a Papa John story you feel comfortable sharing
4: so, <laughs> I will say this: <laughs> I actually worked in my normal life with someone who worked as essentially his right hand, you know mm-hmm. person, and I have some stories that I didn't even know were a thing, but <laughs> um, all I know is that, you know, every, I, I can't i don't have anything that i would actually be able to share yeah 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 <laughs> but you can't imagine there's nothing you could throw out that i'd be that i would be like, yeah no that i could yeah that's about right he did things <laughs> like that you know so um or it's just i think the big thing with him is that you know he he very much wanted people to like know who he was think that he was what you know what you see in this in this thing and you know just like a weird person i don't know if you've seen his instagram stories or tiktoks over the last oh, i
0: have few years. I, I i'm too online so yeah right? i've seen this stuff yeah. all of
4: that stuff you know i, sh- I showed this person who's not online at all and she was like yeah that that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> i was like really like these outfits he's wearing and all and she was like yeah that sounds about right i, I spent a lot of times <laughs> on private planes or trips across the country and across the world opening stores and all that and she was like yeah that's him and i was like His tracks it's amazing right
0: Okay, I'm glad I'm glad he gets to be his truest self at this exactly. point. <laughs> um, all right, so Louisville's one of those schools that gets the basketball school label. And I think like that's a very reductive label in some ways. but for for our purposes, when people call Louisville a basketball school, how do fans feel about that label?
4: You know, I, I think I think for the most part, people here are, are fine with the fact that we're a basketball school because there's all the history and tradition with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the other aspect is from a football standpoint, there's just not a lot to hang, hang your hat on unless you kind of start going back to early Bobby Petrino, John L. Smith, um, you know, their best years were with Charlie Strong, but they're in the AAC and, you know, you weren't where they are now in the, in the ACC, and the only thing they have to the hang their hat on from a football standpoint, and the ACC is Lamar Jackson, and a year where you had the best player in college football and you only won nine games. That, that, that you know, there's not there's not that. Hey man, remember that season? It's just remember that one game or the two games. You know, the Florida State game where you went off, and the Clemson game battling Deshaun Watson, right? So I think that you know, from a basketball standpoint, you know, there was a time there when Rick Pitino was here where they won a national championship. They had Final Fours going. And then the scandals have been and you you know, these last, you know, few years, it's just been rough. But people, I think it's 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 really interesting coming, you know, seeing it from maybe a little not an outsider view, but trying to take a step back and seeing how fans look at it. I mean, it is tough with the way the basketball program is playing right now. And people are just so tired of. You go from the scandal fatigue to now the losing fatigue. Mm -hmm. And then from the football program, you know, 2018, Bobby Vergino just completely created the program. And you got Scott Satterfield come in and he does well and then he flirts with another school like every other coach does. You know, I think that people are fine with the fact that, hey, that is what our tradition is. That's where we won championships. And this this city is big on being good at things. You know, it's a blue collar city. And when you do well, the fans really attach themselves to that. And so when you win big, they remember that, you know, we had the TBT tur- tournament this past summer and it had most of those 2013 basketball players. I mean, the, the stands were packed. People were talking about it. I, I went to work and people were like, you think they're going to win? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. It's just the <laughs> of summer, you know, right? And they're talking about this player and that player. And they did big announcements for every player. Uh Peyton Siva was a point guard for that team. He's back in the city people are just clamoring to just meet him in person mm-hmm. they care about basketball on a different level and it's because they've won big but also those players really having a connection to the city which is really fun
3: man it just feels good to be something <laughs> like I when you said that I was like okay I didn't know we were a basketball <laughs> school you know that feels good to be among the basketball schools um yeah, I don't feel slighted at all. We've never won anything in football. <laughs> I mean, we have, you know, really exciting bowl games and we've had <clears throat> these amazing moments through time. But I think just being acknowledged has always been enough for Louisville fans. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even you just saying it correctly, like, that's enough. Um, there's, it's, I don't think it takes a lot for us to be like, hey, man. Thanks. That's, that's really great. <laughs> where does where
0: does that sort of like come from? That that feeling of oh, we've been acknowledged and validated.
3: It's one hundred percent our relationship with um, the school down the road. You know, mm-hmm. it's because from the start, like I was thinking about this um, before uh, when you'd first emailed me, like bringing up the fact that um, Louisville fandom is defined by how severely. We've been snubbed by Kentucky over the years. And it's, you know, I don't think it's wrong to include it in the story because it is just so true. They wouldn't even play us for years, um, for like decades and decades and decades until the governor stepped in and literally said, you have to do this because they just beat you in the Elite Eight um, in 1983. So, yeah, it's always there's always been like a little brother Roman Roy complex, we've always been Roman Roy, <laughs> we've always been David, even when it's not reflected like by anything material. We, you know, before the dream game, I'm talking about 1983, if people aren't familiar, which I'm sure you're not, it's so niche. Um, in 1983, Louisville and Kentucky played each other in the Elite Eight for the first time. Well, not in the Elite Eight for the first time. They played each other for the first time in general, in basketball, for the first time in 24 years. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was even, it was, like, way more in the regular season. Like, they hadn't played in a regular season in, like, 60-some years at that time. But Louisville had had a better rec- record at that point for a decade. Uh, and so when they played the game and Louisville won, it's not even like it was surprising. They were seated higher in the tournament, but it was such a underdog story still because Kentucky would not schedule Louisville. Um, and then of course, like the governor, who was also like a fast food um (laughs) now that i'm thinking of it he also like i think he owned a bunch of kfc's Mm -hmm. and he owned the kentucky Colonels too um the governor at the time was like this is kind of weird you guys should probably play each other um and he threatened to make it like a legislative battle but then um kentucky folded and yeah so it's always been like this mentality thing of little brother underdog I've looked at stories from like the Times and the Courier Journal from the 80s. And those words were literally used back then. And Mm -hmm. I think it's only shifted since all of the... um, NCAA stuff has happened because, and if you don't know what I'm talking about there, um, <laughs> God, I, I was thinking, should Where I look begin? up the list? <laughs> should I look up the list of allegations? But I I couldn't because A, it's so hard to find them all in one place. But yep. basically, we were hit. Since 2015, with like thing after thing after thing after thing. And so recently, like, I, our biggest rival is not Kentucky. We are not little brother. It's like our biggest rival is the NCAA <laughs> and Adidas and just, you know, <laughs> not being able to have the recruits that we want. It's the it's college been, basketball
0: I- industrial complex at large.
3: Oh my God. Yeah. Big college basketball has <laughs> ruined us and it's been miserable. So now the. You know, the whole, oh, my God, just happy to be in the conversation. That still exists. That will always exist. But I think the source of our biggest opposition has changed.
2: I think as long as you don't mean it like they only care about basketball, Yeah, I, I, I think uh, every Louisville fan will tell you. The, it is a basketball school. There is a special place for it. And if you'd like a good example for that, the, the, the TBT like just sprung together a Louisville team very quickly and drew like 7,500 people to Freedom Hall right. to watch them play other teams that no one knew existed a couple of weeks before either just for the chance to cheer for some former players you know, who were involved in it a, a little bit. So, no, I, I think it's not an insult to Louisville fans. They take basketball very seriously. And I think uh, everyone in this state, both Louisville and Kentucky fans want constant validation of their basketball fandom Mm
0: -hmm.
2: from each other and everyone else. And so I I think as long as you're not saying that, like, you don't care about or can't be good at anything else, it's not an insult to people. And and I think it's important. Like, I I think it's valuable. The role basketball played in everything else. You know, they. They. Won national championships, made final fours, and it it was almost like the the city and fans and supporters and everything sort of took that like if we can do this in basketball, why can't we do this in anything else? Because it was totally self made, Uh and I think a lot of the belief in giving football one more shot, and we can sort of talk about that a a little bit later, really flowed directly out of hey we're, we're. we're beating everybody in basketball in the 80s. And Louisville had a tremendous period in the 80s. Like, let's get serious about football and other sports, too. So basketball really fed and I think sort of nurtured the belief they can do this in some other sports. And it's played out that way.
0: There was a real question at one point. Like, what are we doing with football? Is this should we even have a football team? What was sort of like. The decision making like there or how did sort of Louisville decide like, no, football is going to be a thing. Maybe it's not ever going to be like basketball, but it is going to be a priority.
4: Howard snowenberger was a huge factor in resurrecting and, and getting Louisville football to where it was. My first time going to a Louisville football game, my mom and I were going to Kroger in the morning to go shopping on a Saturday morning. Some guy walked out and said, do you guys want tickets to this game? <laughs> just handed us the things to a football game. I'd never been to a college football game. I'm from Chicago. I, you know, we watched the Bears on Sunday. Yep. You know, so we just went that day. And it was free. And they got beat really badly. And they didn't win a game that year. And they played in an old baseball, uh, a A baseball stadium. It was about the fact that football in this city and, and even the state at that time was not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at a point in time, you know, in the 80s, Louisville basketball was a dominant you know, force they, they they won a championship, they went to the final four, they had a Hall of Fame coach. Um, but to get people to go to a football game in a city where you know, first four or five games of the season, you get nice weather, and the rest of it is kind of cold. And if you're not very good, nobody's wanna, gonna, gonna want to go. And they didn't have stars, they didn't have anything really to, to hang their hat on. Um, Howard Stellaberg came in. Uh, the investment came, but also more than that, just the they won games. You know, Jeff yeah. Brom, you know Louisville's head coach currently, was part of you know that factor, and they won the Fiesta Bowl against Alabama in '93, I believe, and that was something that really helped turn the program around because you have this coach that's won championships, and he came in and showed results. And when you know college football and college sports in general is no matter what you boil it down to, results are all that matter. And when you get results, you get investment. When you get investment, you get fans. And and then, you know, you know, after a while, things start to go a little better. And then Tom Juris came in and, you know, honestly, from that point on, it's like, hey, we got a new stadium. We're hiring these coaches that, you know, have done well. And it, it's kind of – that's kind of how it went. But I, I do think that Howard Schnellenberger, I think the reason why he's such a figure here in the city is that he is the sole reason to bring that life and bring that hope to the program. And it worked out really well
2: there's no one like him in the history of college football, the ability to just be almost cartoonishly able to motivate people and believe things that are ridiculous
0: and build build things out of almost nothing.
2: You know, there, you know, have you ever like watch movies or, or whatever. And there'll be a line where somebody will be like, as the, as the, uh, the prophet foretold and they'll quote it. And everyone <laughs> knows that line. Every Louisville fan could be like, we're on a collision course with the national championship. The only variable is time.
4: The only metric is time is when the championship comes here.
3: The University of Louisville is on a collision course with national championship. The only variable is time. Howard mm-hmm. said that at
2: his opening uh and it's almost like a catechism like you have to learn that. Right. Uh, as a Louisville fan and it, it's lodged in everyone this the uh, the end zone section of the stadium is called the collision course. Like it's mm-hmm. and Howard had and so being able to get him was what it took and then the very best thing he did was convince a a, a local Catholic from Trinity named Jeff Romm to play football here Instead of going somewhere else and so the rest is history after that.
0: Is that still the goal? Is the goal still we want to build a national championship football program?
2: I, I think so I mean, yeah. I, and I think it's it's fed by I was listening to Bunky talk about Ole Miss uh, a little bit and the fact that other Sports are winning and it sort of brings you back to can we do it with football? You know, they've gotten they won another basketball championship in the 2013. Fuck the NCAA. They did. And <laughs> they've gone to the College World Series a bunch of times. They've been yep. to the women's final four a bunch of times. The last two years, they're in the volleyball final four. Uh, they've done a lot of tremendous stuff with a lot of different sports. But, yeah, I think that's still out there. Uh, and Jeff ha- holds Howard very closely. You know, a lot, for a guy who worked more for Petrino maybe than anybody else, he is a Howard Schellenberger disciple. And so that he talks about it uh, and he talks about it as a part of Howard's legacy that it's it's still a goal. And so, yeah, I mean, I think everyone recognizes how remote it is, especially even compared to basketball. Yeah, but no one's given up on it.
3: It went away and now it's back. Like, I wouldn't say it's officially back, but that's finally what it feels like is that we're going towards something instead of just kind of like on the treadmill of mediocrity you know like we finally are going towards something and up and up and where our special teams are like doing what they're supposed to do our kicker is an ass like the recruiting is going, really well. yep. going really well we haven't had a scandal in like <laughs> don't a jinx month it. Don't yeah jinx literally it. <laughs> i'm gonna go slam my head on the wood behind me <laughs> just to make sure i didn't jinx that yeah i don't know Football, I mean, for basketball, I feel bad saying this. I've almost prepared my heart in that this year's a wash. Like, it might be a wash. Kenny Payne's entire time here. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel very good. I don't have, you know, a lot of high hopes for it. All of a sudden, I have these again for football. Like, I haven't even allowed myself to fully feel the range of it because we have um, a little school little to the north of us in two weeks called Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be like such a crushing blow again. I'm really curious how we measure up to a school that is you know, <laughs> really good at football. Um, but yeah, I do I feel like I'm getting there again, which is really nice because that was always kind of the thing. There was this not delusion, a more softer, warmer type of delusion where like you' what really you talking about is hope hope yeah
0: hope yes. is just hope is just a like
3: soft and acceptable
0: form of delusion, right yeah,
3: it is, and that's that's been missing for like the longest time. patino always we always felt hope with him, and even the way that the teams would play, the two thousand and thirteen national championship team, like they had this thing where they would just blow up at the end of games. Like we could be down at the half so, so bad, like a 20 piece. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, oh, we're playing Syracuse And we were down, but then poof, you know, we just come back. There was always the hope. And we've had a string of coaches and a string of teams because of those coaches where we've just been totally devoid of any, like, good optimism, good feelings. And it's back. I genuinely think it's back, at least for football.
4: I think the fans expect when we went when we got to the ACC, it was like, hey, yeah, this is the this is the quote coming to life. Right. Right. They have every opportunity. They came off of two seasons where Charlie Strong won, I believe, 23 games in two years, lost two or three total games, beat Florida, beat, beat Florida pretty handily. Yep. When a Florida team that really could have maybe gone to the national championship game, uh, come back the next year, just handle Miami like it's nothing. In a in a disappointing year where they only lost two games. The program was at such a high at that point. And then they hired Bobby Petrino. <laughs> and it just... <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that to me was just uh it was a wake-up call for me personally. But I think from the fan standpoint, they sold it really well. It was all about bringing back this big-time offense and all that stuff because, believe it or not, plenty of our fans did not like Charlie Strong and his low-scoring defensive games. Doesn't matter if you win or not. I don't really like – it's not fun. And then, So they brought in – they brought back Bobby Petrino. And for me personally, it was pretty obvious that, like, yeah, this is not going to lead to that championship. You know, you, you have to do – You have to bring in someone you you can't just hire retread. I mean, we know that. But from a fan standpoint, I think a lot of people bought into it. Uh, And then I think when, you know, that that Lamar year and really the year after, I think people started to get a little bit more realistic. But I think the energy is back there now with Jeff Brom. People believe in him. He's given them reason to believe this. These four games in the season that he can be what we thought Bobby Retrino was going to be. Um not we they thought felt <laughs> but, uh, but I think that um yeah, I think that 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 is with the potential, I mean, you look at Clemson, Clemson's won national championships in this conference in mm-hmm. our division and now it's like, yeah, we can beat Clemson, we can mm-hmm. beat Florida State. Um, so yeah, I think that you know the fans still expect that. Um, I think the investment and I think seeing what they did in recruiting last year, getting these kids from California and all over the country and having the best recruiting class, in the history of the program via NIO. hey man, anything's possible at this sure. point. And I think fans yeah. are believing it.
0: The basketball school label is very much wrapped up in the rivalry with Kentucky. Kentucky is maybe you know one of the best-known basketball schools, quote unquote. But what's interesting to me about the football part of this rivalry is it basically didn't exist until okay. the 1990s. Like this is not a game that, that it got played like pre-war didn't happen for a long time and now it has become a regular part of the calendar for both teams what is this the football part of it specifically what does it mean to louisville fans at this point in time
2: it's a really big deal uh, because kentucky is in the sec and, and that mm-hmm. is constantly sort of played as a trump card uh for kind of any any arguments about sort of who does better it's always like well You know, we're in the SEC always. And so it matters in the sense of sort of getting to negate that directly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's interesting. They didn't play until the 90s. But in basketball, they didn't play until the 80s. Right. And and I think this is what makes Louisville, Kentucky different from everybody else. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, or even Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, all of them. They hate each other. That's not unique. But in this one, Kentucky fans, I think, like, if you talk to some really old Kentucky fans, they still kind of feel like Louisville's a fad that will go away. <laughs> you know, it, like, they're usurpers. or You know, they shouldn't be there. Like, they, don't, they, des-
0: they don't deserve to be playing Kentucky.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And basically, what happened is in, in, you know, they get to uh, the Elite Eight at 83, and Louisville and Kentucky finally meet in the Elite Eight. And Louisville beat the hell out of them in overtime. And basically, everyone kind of got a taste for it, and the governor insisted, "You guys are going to start playing each other." Right, right. And then, then that forced the football series to start too. And it was kind of funny because Louisville is a Conference USA school, uh-huh. and Kentucky's the dregs of the SEC. So even though there were some real stretches where they beat the crap out of each other, no one really cared at all. Right,
0: right, right.
2: <laughs> and so uh, it's Louisville as they sort of become upwardly mobile having some sort of answer to Kentucky as a, an SEC school and a, you know, a, a, a moneyed old time SEC school. I mean, Bear Bryant coached it for crying out loud. Sure. Right. Being a, like, if they should be better. They should have a little more to show <laughs> for the history. And so uh, those stretches where Louisville's had the upper hand are a lot more fun.
4: It's all about bragging rights and that's it. But, you know, I don't think there's really that history history aspect of it. That really just comes from, our program is better than yours, but it doesn't really have to do with you, us playing each other, And especially mm-hmm. in basketball. It's more about, you know, here in Louisville, your next door neighbor is probably going to be a UK fan. You know, <laughs> you're going to see you're going to have those discussions. You're going to have those arguments or whatever it may be with people you see every day. You know, in Lexington, they're just it's all Kentucky. You know, in most of the state, it's all Kentucky. But here in Louisville, it's just a mixed bag. And it's obviously the, it's, it's a huge city compared to the rest of the state. But it's just such a mix of U.K. and UofL that you can't escape the talk. But it's all about just the talk of the game this year or maybe the last few years. And that's the aspect of the difference between basketball and football. In basketball, you had kind of a back and forth. You know, Mm -hmm. you really never know who's going to win the game. The team's coming to the season. it's, It's just kind of a new season. In football, you get these kind of runs where over the last handful of years, Louisville hasn't been able to beat Kentucky before that Kentucky wasn't even close to Louisville and before that you you go back to the how mummy days where they it was a little bit back and forth but it's really about you know with football and this happens with every teams that aren't you know elite teams or really awful teams they ebb and flow you know you might have a good two years and then you know you've got to rebuild a little bit and so you see that with Louisville and Kentucky football which team which their teams are you know both of them are kind of more of the you know, middle of the pack to maybe upper middle pack of, of their conferences, you're going to have so many ebbs and flows where, you know, this year they're both 4 0 right now. You look at both teams and you look at the fan bases, and I, you know, I have UK guys that, that work on my team and are like, yeah, no, we're losing this weekend. And I'm like, you guys are 4 0. Like, you, you should have confidence. <laughs> they're like, no, we just haven't played well. We played some terrible teams and we played bad against them. And it's like, UofL fans are like, no, man, we might win the entire ACC, man. <laughs> 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 All right, so you know, you never really know, but I think those ebbs and flows factor into just how the rivalry goes because you just really – you get these stretches. You don't get – like this year, there's no real expectation that Louisville is going to win this game because they haven't won it in four or five years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's not a lot of back and forth, but coaching changes always bring that optimism and <laughs> – Plenty of Louisville fans are like, no, Jeff Brom doesn't lose big games. And so, and he's shown that. He beat Ohio State uh-huh. and Purdue and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think a lot of Louisville fans are, are confident, but at the same time, it's like how confident can you be when these guys just have not been able to get the win?
3: With basketball, it's exacerbated because of the history um, and because Louisville's been successful in basketball and because Kentucky's been successful in basketball. That is not necessarily – So true in football for either. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel the same intensity as I do when they play each other in baseball or in volleyball or in soccer, which is not to say that it's not intense. It's just that it's like, well, fuck these guys. Mm -hmm. We're never going to hear the end of it if we lose. And if we win, they're never going to hear the end of it. And the good guys won anyway. And yeah, so I think it's a little bit more of a general like I cannot deal with hearing this, we're so close. That's the other thing. Like, a lot of people in Louisville are not Louisville fans. They're Kentucky fans. Um, And so it's just two fan bases on top of each other. And you hear stories about, like, I'm sure that um, maybe Mark brought it up, but there's, like, all kinds of just weird rivalry stories between fans in the past, like those two guys who were, I think, recovering from a heart attack or something and fought each other in physical (laughs) therapy over like a Louisville-Kentucky debate. It's intense. I have family members. I have two cousins who I love dearly, but they're Kentucky fans. And, you know, we never hear the end of it. Like that's, if we lose in football, then we don't play again until after... Christmas usually, which is Mm -hmm. when we play basketball. So then I got to hear about it during Thanksgiving, during Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like you're – you're. it will come up in every conversation. Those are the stakes.
0: It's moved on the calendar. Originally, when these two started playing each other, it was at the beginning of the year. And now it's the last game of the season for both Louisville and Kentucky, sort of in that ACC meets SEC week. Do you think it's better to play this game at the end or at the front?
3: So stupid. I don't know why we changed it from the beginning. I don't know any, how anybody else feels except for my family, but we're like, this is stupid. We don't need the recognition of playing it during rivalry week, you know, for college football. Like, it doesn't matter. We're a little, like the intensity of this rivalry has nothing to do with whether we will... Uh, The implications of the game have nothing to do with, like, the postseason in college football. Mm -hmm. That doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. This is all about us. So let's just get it over with already, I guess, (laughs) is my feeling. (laughs) And you know what? We don't have um, some of the rivalries we used to have. And the keg of nails is one that I miss the most. And so, like, you know, changing a bit of the Kentucky football game... um, just is another like blow, you know? Why is everything shifting so much? I think conference realignment has been so annoying lately, but uh, Louisville's really lost out on a lot of really good rivalries through the years. Not to switch away from football, but like the Memphis uh, Louisville basketball rivalry Mm -hmm. was amazing, it was so intense, it was so fun. Cincinnati, I miss dearly, like the keg of nails was such a fun time. There's so many good, Gifts and memes and memories and you know that now probably wouldn't even make sense to louisville fans growing up
2: it is better earlier uh, it, for this reason both fan bases really look forward to basketball season yeah and, and and more times than not even as acc and sec schools by the by that time like the big goals are kind of off the. <laughs> they're not attainable at that point mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's like can this be over and then you play this game it's uh, a lot of times even the winner sort of just looks flat sometimes yeah. but when it was the opener you know you had governors cup dinners over the summer and you had all summer you knew you were prepping for that game and sometimes you even got the labor day evening or the sunday sure. of that opening weekend and there was yep. a lot more to it and it really kind of got ruined and not so much with getting moved to that middle uh, that last weekend but when rich brooks took over after hal mummy and kentucky was post sanctions they they insisted if we're going to keep playing this when it's at when it's in Lexington we're playing in Week Three, mm,
0: mm-hmm. and I was like
2: what Week Three, <laughs> and they would play like a Max School and Austin P and right, Little, right, and it was like right. that it just gummed it up. And then when Littleville joined the ACC, they just moved it to the end, and it gets lost in the the wash of all of the other rivalry games that matter more. Although this is like the first year, I feel like there might be they might it might be worth watching to people outside. The region for the first time maybe ever
4: give me the first game man i, <laughs> I hate it in the, the year it's thanksgiving weekend it gets overshadowed too that's the other thing mm-hmm. is that like you said you have these other bigger rivalries and you know with louisville like i said those ebbs and flows sometimes you get teams that are just struggling to make a bowl game and it's not as fun but i hate this rivalry like from a standpoint of just listening to all the talk i don't rivalry I don't I, – I just don't, I, you know, because I, I wasn't born into this. So, it's, for me, it's just like, Jesus Christ, I just would rather get it all – get it over the beginning of the season, and I can ignore it the rest of the way, right? But um, I think the end of the year has has made it uh, a bigger game in some ways. Like you said, sometimes it is playing for, for your bowl eligibility, and then you have the senior days where you have your guys that, that these programs – both of them are very good about latching on to long time players. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year Louisville had your Abdullah who who was here through the 2018 season, the the worst season all the way to now when they got things back to back to it. And and fans really, you know, still in the NFL are keeping up with his with his stats and things like that. UK is very good about really expressing their love for long time players. And I think it is even exasperated by the fact that the basketball program doesn't have that at all anymore. And I think they latch on to, to football football players very well, and and UK football fans that are genuine football fans really care about the program. So you get to those games, and and I think there's another factor there. But for me personally, please put it at the beginning of the season. Just get <laughs> out, out of the way. Um, I hate that it's just you get a lot of very stupid things with rivalries, and I'd rather just get that <laughs> out of the way. But, but no, it's it's I think that you know having it in the season has its perks, and um, you know I think it's. I think it's been good for both programs. Um, and who knows if it keeps going with the SEC changing things with their scheduling. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of hoping it, it stops. But uh, yeah. but it's, I think at the beginning of the season, it was also something to look forward to. Um, yeah. When I got started writing for Card Chronicle, it was writing, you know, different posts on the lead up of this big game to get people hyped up for it. And, and I think that people really were really excited for it. Uh, but also like I said you have these stretches where sometimes the teams are bad and one side of the one side of the the, you know, the rivalry just doesn't care so uh, end of the season works but personally I don't want it at the beginning
0: the other school that Louisville has more of a, a extended football history with is Cincinnati now outside of the bowl mm-hmm. game last year the Fenway bowl uh, this is a game that the keg of nails game is not on the calendar anymore this is a rivalry that like functionally is um, in cold storage. Let's say, is this a game that fans want back? Like we can talk about what it meant last year in the very unusual circumstances, but in the broader picture, is there any push to get Cincinnati and Louisville playing football regularly again?
2: No, uh, I I never hear that. Yeah, you know, I very rarely hear it. We're actually, I would say, this is the the most oddly conflicted time for louisville fans to think about cincinnati because they Mm -hmm. did them an unbelievable favor in taking (laughs) scott satterfield from them i I made the joke at the time that louisville Louisville got cincinnati to build the wall and pay for it (laughs) by taking him because louisville had gotten to the end it was the first time it's ever happened in louisville's history where they had a coach in the middle right like howard excellent but petrino the first time excellent Charlie Strong, excellent. Steve Fragthorpe, terrible.
0: John L. Smith was excellent.
2: John L. Smith, excellent. You Ron know? Cooper, not yeah. excellent. Right. Uh, and, right. And then Scott Satterfield just comes and she shoots right through the middle. And little yeah. fans are like, what is this? Right. Like I, and you didn't want, you, like, do you fire him? We're going to have to pay him a, a buyout. But there's like, I don't want to give him a raise or an extension. And right. then just like Christmas, I just wake up on Monday and Stephen Godfrey's like, what is this? <laughs> No. And I didn't know either. Right. Uh, And so they're really like there's genuine uh, tension inside Louisville fans about Cincinnati because they just just did them an unbelievable favor. (laughs) So I think I I would trade not playing them for for this having happened. I think it's fine.
4: So I'll put it this way. That bowl game. Bowl games are always kind of just wishy-washy from a fan standpoint. People were so interested in that game. Not because of the Satterfield connection, because yeah. the keg and nails is something that was such a cool aspect. Trophies in yes. college football, I, I hope, I wish we had more. You know, yeah. I watch yeah. games that are rivalry games around the country. I watch a lot of football, but I will specifically watch the end of the games just to see the celebration to go get the Paul Bunyan axe. And things more, like that. Here,
0: Here's Michigan putting tiny yellow pants on the Paul Bunyan statue. <laughs> right,
4: it's really cool, man. It's a it's a huge tradition in, in football, and Louisville fans have been really good about the keg nails. I think it's really something they take pride in, and we've owned it for a while. Um, and people really were like. We're not losing this game. Like it can't happen. So I think you know, I think Louisville fans want more rivalries. Um, I'm I personally am very tired of all the stuff that comes with the Kentucky rivalry, but they want. Indiana on the schedule. That's why the backlash of them cancel these games has been a little bit over the top, but also understandable. Um, you know, and they want more. And I think that that's really good. And Cincinnati is the perfect school because you get the basketball and football aspect of it, of two mm-hmm. good programs. And then now you have the added factors, Scott Satterfield going there, which obviously makes it even more. So, um, uh, People still talk trash about the bowl game, and I'm like, Dude, there were like 50 players that didn't play. But okay, <laughs> uh, Scott Satterfield was sitting in a booth somewhere, and and Jeff Brown wasn't even like he even said he's like I watched a little bit of it, but we had a recruiting weekend, so it's it, you know they, they want to take it just because it, because it's there. But no, I think that fans really want that to be a rivalry. The knows is something that's really important to the fan base, and uh, you know I even enjoy my, my brother played football at Cincinnati, so I I root for them because I I went to more Cincinnati games in Louisville growing up. Um, but it's it's a really cool aspect, and, and fans really get into that rivalry because it's so close.
3: You know, the proximity um, is great. It's the same as Kentucky, 90 minutes, but you're going north instead of east. Uh, but the emotion of the rivalry was much different. It wasn't as, like, violent. Um, and that was fun, too. It was, I don't know. It was, what do I miss about the keg of nails? For me, I think there's just so many memories. The Mm -hmm. keg of nails, like the first one I went to as a student, I remember was the time when Teddy Bridgewater did the UC chant with them, like to kind of mock them. And I just remember like being there for it and being like, this is so cool. Like everyone's buying into how intense this is. But again, not in like a disrespectful way. Um, I think the prize being called The Keg of Nails is Mm -hmm. fucking weird and cool. Um, And that sort of also- (laughs) It's very college football. It's very, very 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 college college football. football. Um, But it's just another connection to a place where there are people you likely know and there are fans you likely know of that school. And we've been robbed of that a lot.
0: So let's talk about coaches for a little bit. This is a program that you can go back to Lee Corso, John L. Smith, Bobby Petrino the first time, Charlie Strong, as we mentioned, like lots of coaches have done well at Louisville and it's been a springboard to go somewhere else to mm-hmm. do something different. Do, how do fans feel about Louisville's history of being a stepping stone in some ways?
4: They absolutely hate it. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge thing. Here, here, here's the part that I think sometimes gets missed all of those coaches have flirted with another school when they've been here and then they leave. You know, you go back to, you know, John O. Smith in the middle of a bowl game, you know, the, the reporter on the sideline hey, yeah. took another job. And I'm like, oh, this is awful. You know, so <laughs> that happens. And 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 then you get Petrino in here and, you know, small story. After the Orange Bowl win in 2006, I was the first person to see Bobby Petrino outside of like the locker room. And he walked into this ballroom like I said, my mom worked for the program, so I was yeah. in this room with, you know, some of the folks in the program. I just happened to be standing by the door, and he walked past, and he's an awkward dude. You know, I never had more than just a, hey, how you doing kind of conversation. And he walked past me, and I walked over to my mom and I was like, yeah, he's leaving. And it was just obvious, you know, and I was like, yeah, he's gone. She's like, no, you just signed a contract. And I was like, I'm telling you, I was a, I was a teenager. And I'm like, yeah, that guy's gone, you know? So <laughs> it was like, this guy's not coming back. And he had done, you know, the Auburn issue, and then, you know, you had Charlie Strong, Didn't really flirt with Tennessee as much as they wanted him, and he turned them down. And that was, I think that was such a shock when he left because it was like, dude, this guy's definitely not leaving. He already turned down a huge program. This guy's crying when he got the job here. And then it was like, well, but it's Texas. So, you know, some people didn't like it. Some people got past it. But then, you know, Scott Satterfield comes in, and it's like, dude, the last thing you want to do is act like you're going to leave. And he built up all this goodwill with a great first season. People gave him a pass for the COVID year. And as soon as the season was over, it's like, yeah, this guy's trying to leave. And it's its just, it gets really old. Um, it's a huge factor of why people wanted Jeff Brown, not yeah. just because he was really successful at Western, did really good things at Purdue, showed that he, he can win in a program that really historically hasn't been good. It's the fact that he ain't going to leave. And people want that security blanket. And that's part of Bobby Petrino 2.0. Why? People just completely just like well, we're like, yeah, we want this guy back. They were just tired of that. Hey, this guy's gonna leave. But then he's, they get at,
0: at the that show. point he's burned too many bridges to right. go get another job. Exactly. And
4: so from from my standpoint as a try to try to be you know not neutral, but it like kind of split the road between. Hey, I'm a fan, but I also I don't cover the team. I'm not credentials, but I'm like, hey, I, I want to be unbiased. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they're. They're competing. They're bidding against themselves. Mm-hmm. So they gave him this contract with this ridiculous buyout. And it's like, who do you think is going to pay Bobby <laughs> Retrino to team right now? Like, what are we doing? And so they, then it hindered them to hire the next guy and all that. And then you kind of sit back and you're like, this is such a poor decision. But fans, a lot of fans bought into like, hey, man, we got to keep Bobby People are going to want him. And it's like, no, no, they don't. <laughs> He is <laughs> damaged goods that everyone sees. And if you Google his name, he's in a neck brace, man. Come on. Like but that was, that was what they, they chose. And people, you know, people really have a hard time with that. It's a, it's a thing. It's ongoing. It seems like every guy is waiting to just go somewhere else. And Jeff Brom seems to be the solve of a good coach, a power five coach, who also is never going to leave home.
3: Like, I don't really think about Louisville as, like, people leaving. I do – it did hurt with uh, Charlie Strong, but I haven't thought of the school, like, historically as being a stepping stone, necessarily. Why Why did Charlie Strong sting so specifically? He was so invested. You yeah. know what? That is also what feels so good about um, Brahm, now that I think about it, the, the investment. Like, we just want you to want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah – Charlie like really wanted to be here. He poured everything into this. He used to do these like camps and as now the camps would be weird, but it was in an era where it wasn't that weird. It was like a football like a women's and girls' yep. camp and yep yeah and i went to it and i was like you're gonna you're definitely gonna sign me as a running back and he was like ha and then i ran as fast as i could up the stairs you know what i mean i was like i'm gonna impress charlie strong right it was just yeah i mean he he bought in and he was also such a good coach and stuff happened that hadn't happened in years when he was there the sugar bowl was my freshman year um I was actually, during the Sugar Bowl, I was standing next to strangers, because the people I went with, like, didn't, I wanted better seats than they wanted to pay for, (laughs) so I was like, okay, whatever, I'll see you guys after the game. So I'm, like, around strangers, and the guy next to me is, like, so drunk, and he said, listen, it's gonna be a pick six, first play, we're gonna run it back, and we're gonna score. I was like, Okay, like that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and then that's exactly what happened. It was <laughs> one of the greatest moments of my life. That whole game was like the most euphoric You know I three went to hours of to my life. You, you,
0: you you're saying this knowing that I'm a
3: Florida fan, I think. Um, I didn't know you went to Florida. You don't have to care. I just feel like we should put honestly, it Honestly I don't. Like you guys had so much more success. I'm sorry. Like share it a little bit. You're right. You're my, right. You're right. My beautiful memory of this, you know, my honestly my favorite football memory um of Louisville of all time was beating the Florida Gators, your school.
2: Scott Satterfield went and stepped directly in it yeah after year two when he interviewed for south carolina and then did the amazing thing of doing that press conference in which he said i'll do it again (laughs) like he was amazing the man was a gem he really was the worst jimmy sexton client imaginable (laughs) like imagine (laughs) having
0: that's a that's a high bar too
2: so right? right but in terms of like being able to maximize your value yeah like jimmy sexton and then the guy who can't lie (laughs) <laughs> and that's Scott, so Scott was basically like, yeah, I interviewed for it. What? You, like, what's the mm-hmm. problem? Mm-hmm. I'll do it, yeah, I'll do it again. And he's <laughs> totally honest, but that's not the game, right? Since 1969, there's been one coach stay more than five years. Right. One football coach, and so the funny thing about it is, Louisville, lo- like, it's almost like, like super unpopular presidents when they leave, then like mm-hmm. 10, 15 years down the line everybody kinda likes them. Mm-hmm. Like, John L. Mm-hmm. Smith just comes to Louisville games and hangs out at the, the pregame shows with us, and he's great. And Bobby Petrino was literally welcomed back. Yeah. And, when, and when there was thoughts that Scott might leave, people were like, what, what's Charlie Strong doing? Like, We come to love these guys again, but there is a, an extreme sensitivity uh, about that feeling that it's a, a stepping stone job, and it, it's what got Scott, and he never tried to make up for it after mm-hmm. year two. He never tried to explain it. He never tried to make any promises that he wouldn't gonna do anything like that again, and people were like, get out of here.
0: What? does louisville need to do as an institution i guess to not be that job anymore or is this just how it's going to be
2: i really wonder if it's reasonable for anyone to say we're, we're not going to be that job i mean brian kelly left notre dame sure you know and and sure lincoln riley left le- oklahoma. oklahoma like if they can't guarantee that their guy won't go somewhere no one can and i've always mm-hmm. really lobbied for people uh, to just stop hoping for that now if you get it great i'm not saying that no coach will ever you know not leave uh, but i don't think you should aim for it i just don't think it's even a reasonable goal uh, it's just i think what you don't want is bobby Petrino getting busted uh interviewing for a job that wasn't open uh, right where his former boss is still there right Right. Uh, or interviewing for the Raiders after a year, you know, that sort of thing. Like you don't want, I think you just don't want, it's almost like a, uh, like mob bosses, right? Like, you're like, dude, like be classy about this. please. You know? <laughs> right,
0: right, right. That's... There's a difference between I signed a 10 year contract right. and then I immediately took the Falcons job right. versus like, Char- like, I don't think anybody was mad when Charlie strong took the Texas job. Maybe that was just like the case of he had done enough at, at with the Cardinals to sort of, make everybody happy and it's texas like there that's was, just night and day in some ways
2: there was very little anger that he did that uh, it, the only frustration i saw from anyone was that he didn't meet with the team and sort of be very straightforward with him he just sort of showed up in austin yeah and, li- and that happens but yeah that was the out of character part for charlie not that he took the texas job i never right. you know in in all we it's funny when he left we got on the radio and we just stayed on Mm -hmm. And we just did these like rotating shifts with hosts, and we just kept taking calls. And there was never anyone who was like, "Why would you go to tech?" Like no Mm -hmm. one said that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. just sort of skipping out after. And with Charlie, it was like he would made such a big deal the year before in turning down Tennessee, which resulted in them hiring Butch Jones. (laughs) Turned down Tennessee and said, you know, he very famously said, "Like I'm not cut like that," Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, and that sort of. And then to leave and not face these guys and say, "I actually am." But you have to understand yeah. that that is the only thing that made them mad. But it, it has been kind of the white whale to find that football coach who won't leave. And this is where I think that the basketball part is a big part of this. Louisville's history is 50 years of Hall of Fame basketball coaches right. who who don't leave. I mm-hmm. mean, Rick Pitino didn't leave. And that's what he does. And he didn't. Right. right. And, and Den- Denny Crum, everyone thought he would immediately go back to UCLA. He never left. He never left. Even when he was unceremoniously sort of ushered out for Rick, he stayed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet you can't get a coach to stay longer than five years. That's, I think sort of been what's so exciting maybe about Jeff Brom is I, I think I'm not saying he would never leave, but he's not parlaying this into something else.
0: Is Jeff Brom potentially the like 15 year coach that Louisville has been searching for? Like is that, that is the hope I assume.
2: Yeah, I I I think he is. Uh, I I don't know. He has never once talked about like bigger aspirations like the NFL or something Uh, But I I think if he felt like he Elevated Louisville, I could see him taking Notre Dame or something. I mean, he's as Catholic as they come Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I under I would understand that and I think Louisville fans would understand that if it, it felt like he sort of my work here is done but I I would be more stunned than anything I've lived through two extortions. Uh, If he were to just sort of bolt after a couple of years and give anyone the feeling that he sort of parlayed this into something else. One day the book will be written about just how often he tried to get out of Purdue Mm -hmm. to come here (laughs) after Mm -hmm. turning it down initially. Uh, So uh, he's had his designs on this for a lot.
3: I mean, I think that there's the acknowledgement that when somebody comes home, they're not going to leave the second time. There's also a great just... Quote about Kentucky in general that I always misquote, but it was a governor from a long time ago. And he said, A Kentuckian is either thinking about going home or already there, uh-huh. always, something uh-huh. like that. I don't know. He made uh-huh. it sound much better. <laughs> but there's, there's kind of that sentiment like, we always knew this was going to happen. He always hinted that it was going to happen. Um, I remember, like, I was in my chiropractor's office, and he went to high school with, uh, with Jeff Brom, and so we, <laughs> you know, it was just like a constant, like, did you hear, like, what do you think? Is it gonna mm-hmm. happen, you mm-hmm. know? And um, everyone here, it's also like such a small town, you know, of a city that everyone is talking, and most people, like, have valid information because they either went to high school with him or, like, worked with his mom <laughs> or, like, whatever. Um, I don't know that it represented that for me. I think I think very akin to Knicks fans, it's just nice to like hop on something to get excited about again. Sure. And, you know, I talked myself into everyone except um Petrino the second time. I was like, this is a fucking mistake. <laughs> We're gonna get embarrassed, and what happened? We sure did. Um yeah, I think for me it just represented something. New, but also something familiar. Mm -hmm. It was the uh, when the Kenny Payne thing goes well, (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, mm -hmm. and like I'm just again, we're just grasping at things that we like, please, can something go well, you know, other than like women's basketball and volleyball um, and baseball. But yeah, for the football program, that is there is that added security. But that I think I don't really think about that too much because there's also the added pressure of like. You know it's hard when somebody who is beloved already by a fan base comes back and plays a different role yeah um it's been incredibly difficult to see what's happening with the basketball team Mm -hmm, um mm
0: -hmm.
3: just in general of course but you know also specifically because of our coaching situation now so i don't know i don't think that played into it
4: i understand why he didn't come come back the initial time even if it's just for the reasons he said, which, hey, I, I, I just got to Purdue. I don't want to burn these these recruits who came up here, these guys I brought into the program. But at the same time, I also don't want to take, take over a dumpster fire. And if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. I can't come home again. You know, right. 2018 right. Louisville was one of the worst football teams in the history of football. And you you have a guy that has no reason to – he doesn't need to come home. But if he does, you're also giving him a barren roster – with a terrible culture, and if it does not work, what happens then? So I, I never faulted him for not coming back. Um, you know, it would have been great. It would have been fun. Um, you know, I'm I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I didn't grow up with Louisville football as much as some other people. So, therefore, you know, Jeff Brown is just a dude to me. Yeah. I, knew, I noticed him in Western Kentucky with that insane offense, and I was like, yep. yeah, I want that guy, you know? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. from a Louisville standpoint for me, you know, I, I, was, I was like 10 years old when he played here. And when he became a coach, so it's obvious how great he is. You know, he does a great job with his offenses, defenses not so much, but people love offense here and it's mm-hmm. fun to watch. And I'm glad he came back this time. It was kind of perfect timing. I mean, Satterfield was just such a, I mean, this guy, people hated this guy no matter what he did. He could win a game and it's like, I didn't like the way he won the game. And I'm like, it's oh, <laughs> hard for me because I don't care about that stuff. I just want, you know, I want the program to do well, but he burned his bridges. You bring in the guy the, the 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 chosen son, so to speak. His family's great; they're 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 all still here. And and now you get that, and kind of works out for everybody, you know.
0: To go back to Schnellenberger, what made him leave? What made him take the Oklahoma job, which is a whole separate thing, was Louisville deciding to join Conference USA, and he he very publicly said, "If the goal is to make it is to play for and win a national championship, we're not going to do it from Conference USA." The ACC is in a weird place right now. I think that's the the nicest way I can put it. Do how do Louisville fans feel about you know we we covered that you know the conference jumping and they've moved all around. There's probably nobody that realignment would phase less than a Louisville fan because they're like, what do you got? We've we've done this dance so many times. But if the goal is play for and win a national championship how do Louisville fans feel about potentially getting left behind again in a conference that can't do that? Or it's very, very, very hard to do that.
2: You know, the funny thing, I, I understand like the spirit of the question, but I yeah, think sure. the funny thing is I don't really know, like say Florida state and Clemson just joined the sec. Yeah. I don't know that Louisville's odds of being able to win a national championship change at all. Okay. Just, I mean, we haven't had a first time national championship since 96 Yep. from anyone. Yeah, with a lot more to work with than than mm-hmm. Louisville's had, and so mm-hmm. on the one hand, I don't I don't think it makes a difference at all. Uh, but like I the, think the Lu-
0: structural issues are kind of the same for Louisville. Still got to play Georgia
2: eventually, right. you know, right. like that right. sort
0: of thing, right? And and, right.
2: and I think that the funny thing about it is I think Louisville fans somehow have a great understanding of, of like the how far uh, how big of a task that is, how much of a leap it would be to play. Uh, they've done it on one-offs, but like those games, they've never even been in one of those games mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. for a national championship or something like that, uh, as close as they feel like probably come a couple of times. Uh, but I think that what they were hoping for is that this freaking thing would hold together mm-hmm. so you could sort of climb. And all they we were really hoping for was to be in that, the same conversation with Florida State, Clemson, and Miami Yeah, on kind of an annual basis. And if they were to leave, that would suck. Like that, that would be an incredible gut punch uh, for everybody because – Louisville fans in Louisville. It's what Howard wanted. Want to be an independent to play these kinds of teams.
0: Oh yeah, he wanted. He scheduled Alabama. He scheduled Penn State. I, like the the schedules that he put together were crazy, crazy. And sometimes ambitious. they
2: did well, and sometimes they got yeah. their heads kicked in. Yeah, but for but him, they, it was, they it was certainly gave
0: it. them. They certainly gave themselves the opportunity to be in that conversation.
2: Yeah, and I think for Howard, it was to show like we're not afraid to play these guys. Right. Uh, as sort of projecting you know what he wanted to see uh, out of the program but I think little fans are all really interested in what the 12 team playoff year is going to look like mm-hmm. and, and if the fact that like we're saying we're sort of opening this thing up if it really plays out that way or if it's just all sec first and second third <laughs> right, right right, and, and, and big right. 10 uh one thing that does just sort of suck uh and I, I'm sure this is true for a lot of fans of a lot of places it's just this feeling it's like tv just doesn't care about us
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and the implications of just sort of just dumping on places who are trying really hard uh, and that can be embittering at times and that does come out
4: I think it's a mix of like maybe uh, um, kind of being tired of it all mm-hmm. but I think more than anything there's a quiet confidence it always works out for a little you know um, you go back to the days of the ACC in the in the Big 12 and who are they going to take? And, you know, you think about the teams, it's Rutgers and Maryland and West Virginia, and there was confidence then, but then as things started to move, it was like, we're going to get left out. And then we, we ended up in the really probably the best situation, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a confidence that, Hey, the people want Louisville, their brand, uh, their money, the, the, the money aspect, uh, all of that as a part of their conference. I think the the interesting thing is that when you don't have a Rick Pitino to sell your basketball program, um, when you don't have all the big wins and the, and the BCS things ever happen for the football program, I, I'd imagine there's at least a little bit of heartburn there of what's going to happen. But I do think that Louisville sets themselves up well with the fact that it's not just their football and basketball program. They have one of the best volleyball programs in the country. You know, men's soccer is ranked in the top 10 and, and they've been women's so basketball good. has been women's basketball is very good. The, yep. the fan attendance for women's basketball is up there in the top three every year. They have a lot to sell. Um, and I think that that's that's the thing. I think fans are they know we, we have a good athletics program. And we have. There's nothing you can do. I, I you know, from a commerce line standpoint, you just sit back and wait. What happened Wait to see what happens. But then, are you, you
0: telling just, me you can't just snap your fingers and make Florida State happy right?
4: all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things. And 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 I was on the radio show with Mike Rutherford recently, and I was like, I don't understand why fans even care. You have no control over it. You just mm-hmm. wait to see what happens. But you know, you can't help it. It's part of fan fan. You know, the fandom is. We're better than everyone else. and But, we, you know, you go down the list and it's like, yeah, we actually are better than a lot of these other teams. And, <laughs> but you get into all the other aspects, aspects that you just have no control over about, you know, all these things that pres- school presidents talk about and whatnot. And it's like you, you just sit back and say, hey, hopefully it works out. And I, I think we all know at this point, you know, with so much happening in conference realignment, we ha- we all have no clue what it's going to look like in four years. Nice. And right. conferences might not even matter soon. So I,
0: I uh, certainly didn't think we'd be talking about Stanford being an ACC member. Right.
4: So. I mean, it's insane, right? So, you know, hopefully Stanford, hey, who knows? Maybe they help stabilize things. You never <laughs> know what's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's nuts. But I do think that fans have a – it's a quiet confidence. It really is not – it's not something you hear about a lot. You don't know, hear people talking about a lot because it's always worked out for Louisville. And I think there's a lot of, lot of feelings that, hey, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But Louisville always comes out on, you know, fine. So we'll see what happens.
3: Listen. After Conference USA and being in the American, it I don't care. Again, just happy to be here. Literally, yes. like it's yes. like we were invited to a dinner party where we know one person, so you just want to come in and you're kind of behaving. And oh, I brought this really nice wine. And like for me, the input. Impl- yeah, I'm sure that other people are more upset about it. Um, for me, I don't necessarily have a connection. We built an instant connection to Clemson and football. That's for sure. But I don't really have uh Okay, so the cons are that you miss out on playing these teams that could really elevate your program if you beat them. Yep. Right. Yep. You're you're set up already to be against these really prestigious, historically good football schools. Okay. Um last year we were shit. The year before we were shit. The year before that we were shit. Like we think we're gonna beat them. You know, a lot of times, like last year it was embarrassing. Usually I'll look at the the Schedule, and I'll be like, okay, UK, you know, like give me a wave of like just that kind of really weird feeling where your like stomach drops your butt Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm like excited, (laughs) but I'm really nervous. And with the other ones, the last couple years, I'll look at them and I'm like, fuck, man, like, I don't know, I'm really (laughs) nervous. So I think that for me to be properly upset about it, we're gonna have to keep going like we are right now. I mean, fully on the Braum train, was on the Braum train way before you know hoping he could come for years like was signing petitions you know but (laughs) (laughs) just again notice us please um but yeah i i just don't think i feel the full like range of emotions maybe because i don't we still have to figure out who we are now Mm -hmm. we're not the same anymore we don't have the same identity that we did um, because it's been stripped away by years of violations. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but it really is. It's confusing, like who you are as a school when so many um infractions result in just things being taken away. And so yeah. you're we're still building back up. And I feel like for football, I'm all in. Like I'm so excited. um've <laughs> I've been, you know, doing weird streams to find ACC network again. Like, it feels good to have those bugs back on my computer.
0: Who has a tighter hold of Louisville fans' hearts? Teddy Bridgewater or Lamar Jackson?
4: Oh, that's a great one. Ooh, man. It's Lamar Jackson, but there's a little recency bias. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater led the program to a lot of wins and some big wins that they hadn't seen in a while coming off of a very bad coaching stint by Steve Krakthor, right? And you had this huge high of Bobby Retrino taking him to the Orange Bowl, and it just cratered under Crackthorpe and, yep. and Teddy brought him back. Lamar helped extend that. Um, but Lamar Jackson, the highlights, um, the, the just insane moments that he created – and then the hype that he that he brought to the program was different, and I think people there's one thing about Louisville fans—they crave that that we belong status, that validation. Where, yeah, that validation is important. Uh, this week is about not being ranked as a four 0 team, mm-hmm, and our mm-hmm. schedule's better than George's. and they yeah. want that because that is what that's what going in the ACC was all about. We're yeah. just as good as everyone else, and you need to respect us. And Lamar brought that where Teddy didn't. Teddy, I think, was something as a national favorite of just, man, you can't help but root for the guy. You know, when the draft happened and people were talking about his skinny legs and arms and things like that, it wasn't just Louisville fans that are calling BS on that. There are all kinds of people talking about it, right? Teddy's just a fun guy. He's a really good dude. Um, and I think that he was just this – this the smiles and the jokes and all. That was fun. I think it was more fun with Teddy. With Lamar, is more just amazement. And I think that fans really appreciated the fact that Lamar was as good as he was. Mm -hmm. I think they appreciated that Teddy was who he was. And when it comes down to it, you only really care about who's good out there, who's playing well and all that. And I think that's what, what separates Lamar because he just put on a show every week. You, you just got excited to what is Lamar going to do this weekend and the Heisman, you can't top that um, from a fan standpoint. And I think that really sets Lamar apart, but but really, both of those guys have, I appreciate the fact that people don't forget Teddy and what he brought to the program because he's my favorite player in Louisville history. I don't think anybody's going to be able to top that guy. So um, both very much respected and, and loved by the fan base. But Lamar, just the, just the way he played the game and the excitement he brought kind of takes it away.
3: I don't think you can pit them against each other. Okay. I don't. Teddy represented, for me, maybe older Louisville fans would uh, disagree. He represented something like i'd never seen before mm. i didn't know you know that we could have someone go on to the nfl um a quarterback you know and be this big of a name and that was really exciting because that was another like people are taking notice people are giving us credit um type of moment but with lamar it was like that but plus i've never seen the things he's doing on the field before right. Right. It was incredible. I mean, it still is. It and wasn't just
0: special for Louisville. It was like this is a special for the entire country <laughs> kind of.
3: Yeah. Thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't mean to discount Teddy like to what Teddy did was fantastic and um his strengths like he was he was great and he was so solid for us, but yeah, with Lamar like I've just never seen the thing. he was so playful too. It was just so much fun to watch. Um even though those teams maybe weren't as fun, he himself was.
2: Lamar, far more exciting. And mm-hmm. he had way more instances of him making everyone else look ridiculous, which is yes. super fun. But with Teddy, as clutch and like as rootable as you've ever seen. For, for If you've never heard this, he gets tore up against UConn and they lose in 2012. And then they have to go to Rutgers on a Thursday night on five days. He's Tells Charlie Strong, I'm not playing. And Charlie Strong was like, why don't you just put your uniform on? Just put your uniform on, and we'll see how you feel. And he warms up, I'm not playing. Okay. And then like six minutes into the game, he's like, all right, put me in. And he can't take snaps from center, mm-hmm. so he has to play the entire game in the pistol or in the shotgun, and he's limping around, and he's like, you know, in just every big moment, Teddy totally met that, and so he's, I think Teddy might be more beloved yeah. But people stand in more awe of Lamar.
0: I mean, Lamar won the Heisman. Lamar sort of, it, it, he he uh, sort of transcended the everyone's out to get us.
2: You're exactly you right. Know,
0: you know, and Teddy was like part of what made Teddy so much fun to watch. It was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah.
2: He can't even slide. Remember right? that? Right. <laughs> he just spikes himself. You know, like, I mean, it's wild, uh, Teddy, but he every single big moment there was, you know, almost inevitably uh, he came through and he really is beloved uh, for that. But Lamar Lamar was was irresistible. Like you just Larry Williams that does uh, Clemson's uh, rival site. Like we had him on the show in time. He's like, I just want you to know I've been doing this a long time at Clemson. I've seen a lot. It's like, It's That's the best game I've ever seen from anyone in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't. And, and I've heard that from a lot of people. Uh, and so he just—I think there's just way more awe. We've never seen anything like it. I don't know that we ever will again. But Teddy, like in a big moment, he just was. Aren't you? I—I I don't know about you, like just fandom overall. People who are just like utterly unflappable in these absolute yeah. biggest moments. I mean, yeah, sure, it, it blows me away, and that's Teddy.
0: So I have this really unfortunate English major tendency where I read too much into things in the world. But this is my show, so nobody's around to really stop me, and I want to go back to the subject of Papa John. A lot of what our guests on this episode told me about Louisville focused on validation and on acknowledgement, and on the value of being seen and appreciated. And I think that impulse maybe explains a lot of Papa John's behavior, too. He named his pizza chain after himself, and then he bought the naming rights to Louisville Stadium, so that could be named after him. And he appeared in commercial after commercial, including the Spanish language ones, where he acts like he casually speaks Spanish. So maybe this was just the man who desperately wanted that acknowledgement and approval in the same way that Louisville fans want that for their sports teams. Maybe, as nuts as it was that he was driving his Camaro onto the field, he was the perfect mega booster for this school. Or maybe he was an egomaniac with way more money than sense. Anyways, thanks to Haley, Mark, and Keith for appearing on today's episode. And to Michael Server for taking these better ingredients and making a better podcast. I'm sorry. I'm done with Papa John now, I promise. Tune in next week when we talk to the fans of College Game Day's most reliable attendee, the Washington State Cougars.